Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Listen, I am excited about this, and I'll tell you why. Um, I love this series because this series kind of, it's, it's part of my heart, you know what I mean? Like I love talking about spiritual disciplines. I love talking about the idea of how do we stay rooted in Jesus and talking about all these different ways and creating rhythms in our life that keep us there. And just a kind of little confession here, there are not a lot of things that I want to remember from high school, you know what I mean? Like there are, a lot, there are not a lot of things that I go like, man, I really wish people would remember me from high school because I, I like want everybody to forget who I was in high school. But there's one thing, really, there's one thing from high school that really continues to this day to be, a dream, to, to be this like foundational piece because here's what happened. That is when I fell in love with the word. It was just one of those things that because of the leaders in our ministry, because of what was going on, that was the time in my life when all of a sudden I looked at this and I saw it differently. I saw it as something that's like, man, this means more to me now. Like it's coming alive for me. Like it actually makes sense for my world. It actually is helping me see things differently. And so since then, I've been on this journey of not only just pursuing the wisdom of the word, but the reality is, honestly, there have been seasons where I'm like hungry for it, wanting more of it, going after it. And then there are seasons where I'm like, man, this feels kind of like a job, right? Man, this feels a little bit more like, a, like I, okay, this is what good Christians do, <laughs> you know? Like, okay, let me get in the word and check it off on my little list and then kind of go like that. And, and then I've had waves where I'm back on top and I'm like, no, I get it. I'm, I'm going after it. I, I, I want it and I love it, you know? Because here, as a pastor now, here's one of the things that I feel. Sometimes when you hear us Say things like, get in the word. It really is life-changing. Or, man, we need to be praying. We need to become a praying church. We need to, you know, you need to give because living generously is a, a really amazing way. It's the adventure of running after Jesus. When we say these things, sometimes I'm worried it sounds a little bit like when you go to the dentist and they say, hey, you really need to start flossing. Right? Nobody looks at flossing like, yes. This is what I'm here for. Give it to me, right? So like, I mean, remember, put yourself in the room. Some of you had to just do this, where it's like, okay, the dentist says like, hey, have you been flossing? And the answer, of course, is yes. And what you mean by that is, I flossed right before I came, right? That's what we all do. Like, yes, I have flossed, singular, but you just mumble the last part so they don't know. Um, and because it's one of those things that you're like, man, all right, I, ca I can't disappoint them. I gotta brush my teeth. I gotta clean up before I go to them. Unless you're one of the mean people who's like, you know what? I'm eating tacos right before this because they're gonna hurt me. I figure I might hurt them a little bit. You're right, right? Some of you in the room are like that. I get that. But it's just one of those things that they say like, hey, you know what would be really good for you? You need to start flossing. Like if you like your teeth, this is something you should do. This, so, so I don't want to be the dentist saying that. I hope you don't hear me as that because here's what I think happens. We tend to see spiritual disciplines as like drudgery. Like, oh man, this is one more thing for me to fail at. Thank you. Right, this is one more thing for me to feel guilty of because I'm not doing it right, you know? At best, at best, we think of it as a duty, like, this is what Christians do. I'm gonna just pay my way. I'm gonna be obedient, I'm gonna be a good soldier, I'm gonna pay, pay the price, you know, that kind of thing. And the reality is, here's how I see it. You know, when I say something like, no, really, 
if, if, you, if you just spent 20 minutes a day in the Word, in a month you would notice a huge difference in your worldview. It would change the way you see yourself. It would change the way you see others. It would change the way you hear from God. It would change everything about your perspective. Literally 20 minutes a day would change things for you. You would be a different person if you took this seriously. It's almost like I feel like I'm trying to tell a husband like, hey, you know what I think would be really good for your relationship with your wife? If you talked with her, right? Like if you, if you had a conversation every now and then, I think this would be helpful. Or like go on a date night, that helps you. Or like if, I'm, if I met somebody who was starving, going to them like, hey, I know the problem. I know it can help you. You need to eat something. That's kind of how I feel coming into this like, Man, don't miss what we're trying to communicate. We think these rhythms bring life, and here's why. It brings me back to this passage in Jeremiah chapter 6. Here, here's what I think we're doing as we're going through this series. Here's what Jeremiah 6, 16 says. It says, thus says the Lord, and when it says that, you know you better shape up. You know what I mean? So, okay, everybody gets that part. Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Here's what we're doing. When we're talking about rooted, we're gonna talk about all these rhythms, like know these things are really important. We wanna be the people on the road going like, this is the good way. These are the ancient paths that have been guiding the people of God for centuries now. Empires have come and gone and these practices remain. This is an important thing for us because these are the ancient paths, these are the good ways and they lead to, don't miss this, rest in your soul, if you start walking in these ways, it actually brings rest to your soul. Like it's, it begins to satisfy your soul. Like your soul was starving beforehand and you start reading this and all of a sudden it feels satisfied. Think about that. So we're gonna spend some time in Psalm chapter one. If, you're, if you got a Bible with you, go ahead and turn over there. Um, if you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen. But again, we, we are a word church. We were just talking about this before the service. We have always been a word church. What that means is the word has always been a big deal to us. So I want to encourage you, bring it with you and engage with it. But Psalm 1 kind of sets up the whole book of Psalms. So there's an emphasis on this one that we need to pay attention to. And so I'm going to just assume the author is David. But here's what he says. Psalm 1, verse 1, here's what it says. Blessed is the man or woman. Hold on, hit pause. Just a side note, if that's annoying, I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep doing that. But we're just gonna stop every now and then. But blessed is the man, blessed is the woman. The question for me is, do you wanna be blessed? Yes. And the way, to say, the way to understand that is like, like satisfied. Do you wanna be joy filled? Do you want your soul to be at rest? Do you want God's hand of favor on you? Is that what you want? If that's not what you want, then you can stop listening to me. But if that is what you want, you need to pay attention to what comes next, okay? So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He's saying like, hey, if you want to be blessed, you need to be careful who you're spending time with. You need to be careful on what paths you're walking. You need to be careful on how you're pursuing things. Because if you're spending time with people who are actively working against God, there's coming a day where this is not going to go for you. 
the thing that you truly desire deep down won't happen unless you pay attention to what he says. So blessed is the one who doesn't walk in those ways. He, he walks the ancient paths, the good paths, the paths that lead to a rest and satisfaction of soul. The, the one who was blessed doesn't walk in the ways of all these other people. And listen, we're all sinners, but we're not, many of us are not actively trying to rebel against God. We're not like laughing it off like it's not that big of a deal. We take it seriously because we want to walk in his ways. So blessed is the man or woman who doesn't walk in these ways or stand or sit in these kinds of ways, but his delight, her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Let's hit pause for a second. Do you see what just happened? The author reframes the disciplines for us. He reframes the way we think about meditating on the word of God, dwelling on the word of God, making this a rhythm and habit in our life. He reframes it for us, not a matter of duty. This isn't drudgery. This is delight. This is something that brings life. This is something that like you want to eat it up. You get hungry for it. You want more of it. It's driven by a desire because you know just simply meditating on the word of God. And listen, they only had the first five. We get the whole thing. And so for us, when we think about dwelling on meditating on the word of God, it comes from a desire to grow closer to him. And what that is, is delight. It's these disciplines are driven not by duty, not by, not by some sort of drudgery like, oh man, okay, I gotta read my Bible again. But there's great delight in it. Like you're waiting for that next time to be close to your friend again. Because you can't wait to have that conversation. You can't wait to hear what's going on in their heart. You can't wait to share what's in your heart. That's what comes behind this thing. So let's begin to reframe how we approach this thing. It's not just a matter of duty. And if it was, that would be enough. But here's what's amazing. It's not. It's a place of delight for us. It's a place where we draw close to him. And for those who dwell on the the, the law, they meditate on it. And again, it's like day and night. I want all of it whenever I can get, I want to be in this. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. This person, when you, when you, when you take these rhythms seriously, especially when you, when you take the words seriously. It's like a person planted, it's like a tree planted by streams of water. You know what that means? That means there's an unending source satisfying and bringing sustenance and help to this tree. Unending source is coming. It's never gonna dry up. That means there's a season where you'll be fruitful and it's because you're tied to the stream. And even when the tree is not bearing fruit, you're still alive. The leaf is still healthy because you're rooted next to the stream. That brings life. That's what it's like to be connected to the word. That's what it's like to be all in this thing. And so here's my question for us. How do we move from a place of duty to delight? How do we actually go on that journey? Because if I were to guess, because even, I, I mean, I just confess, I've been in the same place. I've, I've had those moments where I'm like, this is an amazing delight for me. And there are moments where it's felt like, man, this is a duty. So how do we, how do we shift? How do we move there? Go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But for me, 
Let me just share a little bit of, of my story. So I, um, about 10 years ago, Jesus had to save me from legalism. All right, now I've been following Jesus for a long time. In fact, if legalism worked, I would have won. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew how to get all the older ladies to like me as a little kid. I, I, like I knew how to play the game. I knew all the answers to the questions. I could fake just about anything. That I was good at being the church kid. You know, that was, I, I knew it. My dad was a pastor and my mom was a drama director. I had all the things I needed to fake it, you know? And so, but here's the reality. Jesus saves you and he keeps saving you. That's what's amazing about this. That's why it's a journey. So about 10 years ago, and I'd already been a pastor for a couple years at this point, but he had to rescue me from legalism. I was building a system of righteousness, of how we act, I was building a system that wasn't the same system Jesus was using. And so he rescued me from this. And I've been on this journey for the last 10 years of moving from duty, let me check it off, let me play the game, let me just do the bare minimum to get by, to like a place of delight where it's like, how can I get more of Jesus? And part of this journey comes from passages like Psalm 23. So again, you know this one by heart probably. If you're new to church, this one, if you're gonna hang on to anything, listen to this passage. I'm gonna read it for us and I'm gonna talk a little bit about it, but here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. You know it, right? I shall not want. Think about that. All the weight of responsibility is on the shepherd. All the weight of where are we going? How are we getting there? Who's gonna provide this? Or what are we gonna do if this happens? Or what, all of that, all the things we worry about, falls on the shepherd to the point where we go, I have everything. As long as I'm close to the shepherd, if I see my shepherd, if I'm next to him, I'm like, I'm exactly where I need to be. I have everything that I need. My soul is what? Satisfied because I'm near the shepherd. And here's what he does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm the kind of crazy person that wants to run away from the thing that's healthy for me. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You could spend months in this passage. Because if, if you spend enough time in it, you realize, oh my goodness, he's reading my story and he wrote this thousands of years ago. How did he know these things? How did he know this was possible? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, has anybody been in the valley of the shadow of death recently? He says, I won't fear any evil. How do you get to a place of walking through the valley of the shadow of death and the natural response not be fear. Well, if your shepherd is with you, his rod and his staff, they comfort you. And then this is the line that reframed my whole thinking about disciplines, my whole thinking about what I'm even doing. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what that means? That means this whole time, Jesus has an invitation for you. And he says, I'm preparing a table. I know what you need. 
I know you've run after it in a lot of other places and you've been really disappointed and I really hate that for you, but guess what? I've prepared a table before you, not just filled with everything that you need, but I'm coming to you right in the thick of the battle. Like the war is going on in your life and Jesus goes, oh, hold on, okay. And he sets the table right up, right in the middle of your enemies. And think about this, from David on the outside, he's got armies coming against him. He's trying to figure out how to protect the people of Israel. And at the same time, as a leader, he's going, who's really with me? Who, is there anybody on the inside trying to ruin these things? So he has enemies on the outside. He has enemies on the inside. You have enemies on the inside. Right? Fear can be an enemy. Anxiety, like we, we worry about something and, and we begin to dwell on it so much that it expands and it becomes this weight that we just carry with us to the point where we think this weight is now normal or it becomes this noise in our head and then we think this is normal that I just, I feel like I can't hear or think straight because I've always got this thing on me that's an enemy. And Jesus says, hey, guess what? I've prepared a table for you in the presence of, my, of your enemies. But here's the problem. You still have to come to the table. He's always left the invitation open. He's always said come. He's always provided everything that you need. I do think it's a little mean that in this room we're not allowed to eat anything and I'm sitting here going, hey, Jesus has set a table for you. Who wants a piece of cake, right? You can't have it, That's, we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> I'm not Jesus, I set this table. He's got a different one. Um, but but he, he, so he comes and he says, I've prepared a table for you. Now, you gotta come eat. You gotta come and be satisfied. So put yourself in that place because reading scripture daily now comes to this place of, oh, it's a table. It's not about duty, it's about delight. I've never come to a table out of duty. Like, oh, crud, I gotta eat again. I've never day in my life come to that table like that. I come to the table every day like, thank you, Jesus. This is the best day of my life because I love it. I love eating. I love the time. And so put yourself in this scene. Jesus sets the table and says, come to me. Come to me. And, and, and as your daily devotion, you come to the table and you begin to have a conversation with Jesus. And you say things like, Jesus, you're not going to believe this. I can believe what I'm going through. And he's like, oh man, tell me about it. So you start sharing with him and he goes, oh my goodness, look what I made for you. Eat this. Look at, you, look at how your soul is being restored. Look at how you're like being satisfied. You're being strengthened just by this time because you've come to the table and he had exactly what you needed. This is why this is so important for us. So why is this helpful? Why did this flip a switch for me? Why did this make sense for me? Because heads up, you're eating at some table. You're eating from somewhere. <laughs> you, you're, you're getting, you're filling yourself, you're filling your soul with something. Just, I mean, I did quick research on this. Guess what? The average adult, guess how much time they spend on their screen? Almost four hours a day. You can look at your screen time right now and go, oh dude, I can eat that every day. Right? We, 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 we're coming to a certain table, and they say, or they guess about two and a half hours of that time on your screen is looking at social media. 
So if you're going to the social media table, and hopefully a lot of that is Pastor Cam's sermons, right? Of course it is. But it, So you're going to the social media table and you're comparing yourself to somebody else who they're faking it more than you are and so you're trying to fake it now so for them, right? The anxiety, the, the, so almost four hours a day, people are going to these other tables. Guess how much time the average churchgoer spends in the word daily? I don't know either. I, I couldn't find it. Here's what I did find. Only about 20% of churchgoers actually try to get in the word every day. So let's just kind of pay attention to something here. If you are spending almost four hours a day consuming something, but barely spending any time a week in the word, is it any wonder why certain things are going on? Is it any wonder why, I mean, let's just make it personal, right? Is there any wonder why you are more anxious now? Is it any wonder why you get angry faster now? Is it any wonder why you look around at your friends and, and they're more depressed than they Is it any wonder why the statistics are escalating at ridiculous rates? Is it any wonder when those are the tables that we're eating at and yet Jesus still comes and says, I still set the table, but you have to come eat. So here's the thing for me. How does this look for us? What are we gonna do about this? How do we actually make a change that is gonna change things in our life? And I, so what I wanna do is I wanna give you a glimpse of my devotion time, all right? It's not spectacular, so don't put low standards, please. Um, but as we get into this, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to think about something a certain way. Uh, I want you to think about it in this way. Do it until you discover it. Do it until you discover it. Here's what I mean. A lot of times we're talking to people about prayer, and they're like, man, I can't pray. I don't know how to do that. I don't have fancy words. I don't have, hey, okay, pause. Why don't you just do it until you discover it? Meaning, it's a conversation. Start talking to them. Just try. Start somewhere. Do it until you discover, oh, my goodness, it actually is just a conversation with Jesus because heads up, we're not talking about investing in a religion. We're talking about investing in your relationship with Jesus. And so the reality is you have to treat it like a relationship. So prayer for me is like breathing. This is one of the things you do in and out. It's the thing that sustains your soul moment to moment. God wants to hear from you. He wants to speak to you. And so you, like any relationship you have, there are the hard conversations, like when you sit down with your spouse or you sit down with your roommates or you sit down with somebody and you go, guys, this is, this is a big deal. We've got to figure this one out. This one's way too hard. How, how are we going to move forward? And then there are the conversations like, hey, I lost my phone. Could you please help me figure this thing out? And guess what? He helps out with that sometimes too. But the whole point is it's, you do it until you discover it. You, you enter into it, and then you all of a sudden you realize there's more to it. A lot of times people don't read the Word because they think, man, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know how to read all this. I don't even have, know how to spell half of these books. What in the world? And the, the reality is they think, like, I can't start reading because I don't already know what's in there. That's a lie. That doesn't make any sense. How do you learn anything with that kind of approach? And so if you're new to Scripture, 
Listen, you just start doing it until you discover it. And don't start in the beginning. I know that's the confusing part. There are two parts of this. Start on the second part. It's called the New Testament. And you start with the life of Jesus. If you really want to know what this is about, because when you see his life, all of a sudden the rest of this makes a lot more sense. Okay? So again, do it until you discover it, because it's a little bit like building a fire. We have any people who pyromaniacs in here? Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. Honesty, I live it. So right, you, a, a fire when you started is vulnerable. I had somebody tell me this about marriage, right? You, you, gotta, you gotta work to get the fire going, and then you gotta work to keep the fire going. All right, so when it starts off, you start with the little sticks and the flame is vulnerable. Then as it catches, you add a little bit more and add a little bit more. Listen, once the fire's roaring, it's very little work to keep it going. You still have to chop wood. You still have to collect it and throw it on there. But overall, it's a little bit of work. But if you let it die down, you have to take different measures. You have to work harder at it. In many ways, that's kind of why it's called spiritual disciplines. (laughs) They require the effort. But again, it's one of those things. It's a relationship. This is how relationships work. And so if your relationship with Jesus is kind of smoldering at this point, let's get this fire going again. Let's get it started again. All right? And as we jump into this, I'm going to give you a bunch of really practical stuff. But let me say this before we do that. There's a book called The Power of Habits. Not a Christian book, but it's very helpful. So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. But it has one of the, one of the practices in there is something called habit stacking. Okay, habit stacking. Let me give you an example. Since we already talked about flossing, let's stick with flossing. So nobody likes flossing unless you've been flossing for years. Any flossers in the house? No, okay. Oh, we do have, okay, yeah. They're all dentists. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> but so, so, so nobody, I was like, okay, I want to see if this works. I want to actually test this out. So heads up, I brush my teeth every day. It's amazing. And so I just said, <laughs> thank you. I just said, I'm going to floss right before I brush my teeth at night. That's just when I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, not going to do it afterwards because I'll forget. That's what happens. So I'm going to do it right before I brush my teeth, and I have now been flossing. Spontaneous applause soon. Flossing for years. Thank you. Um, so because it was, I was stacking it with something I already did. Stack a new habit with something that already exists. That's the brilliance behind it. If I were to guess, everyone in this room wakes up every day. I'm just going to throw it out there, but I think that happens. And so what time you wake up is a different story. We won't get into that, but everyone wakes up some point. So that means if you're trying to do something new, one of the things you could do is just go, the first thing in the morning, I wanna do this, right? And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna throw a bunch of stuff at you, but here's, I don't want you to try to do all of it. Some of you are way farther down the road than I am on this. And you're gonna be like, you didn't even get into the good stuff. But I'm just gonna give you like six ideas. I don't want you to go from zero to 100 though, all right? That's my personality. I go like, I'm failing at this, I'm gonna try everything, and then day three, I fail again. Because I'm like, I can't possibly do all this stuff. And so here's what I want you to think in terms of. 1%. What does 1% better look like for you tomorrow? And then do that for a week. And then the next week go... What's 1% better? So I'm gonna give you a bunch of 1% and then I wanna give you a chance to kind of try these things. So here are the practices. Here's the first thing. Get a place and a time. This is what this is about. This is my living room, by the way. This furniture is actually better than my living room, but this is kind of like my living room, okay? I need a chair 
I need a hot cup of coffee, freshly made, because nothing good can happen until I've had coffee. Um, and so I've, I've got to have my coffee ready. Some of you are like, come on with it. Um, I need to have my space. I need to have my coffee. I need to have my kind of the books. I need to have my journal. I need to have it all ready. And then I'm ready to go. So you need to come up with your space and your time. You need to just decide, when is this going to happen? And then let it become sacred. Let the environment shape this opportunity. Because it's important. You know what I mean? It's an important opportunity to do these things. This is what Jesus did. Mark shows us over and over and over again throughout the gospel, Mark, we learn that Jesus, he would get up really early in the morning while it was still dark and he would remove himself from all the other people and he would go to desolate places because he was there to pray. He was there to have conversations with his father. He delighted in his relationship with the father so much that he sacrificed sleep. That's crazy. Who in their right mind would give up sleep to be with the creator of the universe who has all the answers and source of life you're looking for. Who would do that? There you go. Jesus did. This is what he did. He had a place. He had a time. He had a rhythm that he set up in his life. Here's another thing. I want to encourage you, try journaling. And some of you are like, oh man, I hate journaling so bad. Listen, you just told me the worst thing to do. If that's you, don't do journaling. You pick something else. But some of you are like, Man, journaling is my thing because when I put words on the paper, all of a sudden my mind seems to center a little bit. All of a sudden I'm not as distracted as I was when I put all the stuff bouncing around in my head when I put it down on paper. All of a sudden I'm able to think and focus and enter into this time more effectively. So I want to encourage you to journal. And here's an easy uh, acrostic for you guys to use. It's a soap acrostic. Many of you already know this. You've seen it before, but I'm going to tell you what it is. S stands for scripture. So as you read your chapter a day, all right, or whatever section you do, you, you might just read a verse a day, whatever it is, you write that scripture out. And then you just start making observations. That's what the O is. You just start going, okay, what is this teaching me about who God is? What is this teaching me about myself? What, what is going on? Like, why is it important that Jesus would say this in this way? So you just start making observations, okay? Um, and then the A stands for application. You start to go, now where does my life not match up with this word? How do I begin to align my life with the word? If you don't do that, you just get smarter. That does nothing, except make you annoying later, okay? Sorry, I said that for your friends. Um, but as soon as you begin to apply God's word in your life, transformation happens. As soon as you go like, okay, I've been on a wrong path. I've been eating at the wrong table. I'm gonna to come to a new path, his path. I'm gonna eat from his table and I'm gonna to start to align that way. And then you pray and you can let scripture become, excuse me, you can let scripture become your prayer. You say, God, help me. And then you pray the prayer. You pray the, the scripture that you've been doing. Let journaling be an opportunity for you. But if that's not for you, I get that. Um, one more thing I do with journaling, this one's super simple. I have a thankful for list. There are four things that I'm thankful for. The first thing before I do any of my devotional stuff, the first thing I try to journal is here are four things I'm thankful for because I've read so much about how gratitude changes your perspective of the day. If you start with gratitude, the rest of the day, day feels differently, okay? So, so that's one of those simple things. Another thing is, you might be thinking, I hate reading. I got out of high school so I wouldn't have to read ever again in my life, 
Okay, well, good news for you, YouTube was invented, all right? There's something called the Bible Project. If you have not seen or watched any of the videos of the Bible Project, it is a phenomenal resource. You can watch on YouTube the different, um, learn about the different books of the Bible. You can learn about the different things in Scripture. And it would be a perfect starting place for you as you're getting ready to enter into making this a daily habit. An easy thing you can do also is if you have a job, chances are you travel to that job. And so one of the things that I've had to do in different seasons is I listen to the word while I'm driving. So you can get on version, come up with a plan, and the first thing, before you listen to your podcast, before you listen to your music or whatever, just let the first thing you listen to be the word for the day and then move on to your stuff. In fact, I'm actually more of an auditory learner anyway. I, I tend to pick up things differently by listening instead of, honestly, sometimes when I'm reading, I get really distracted. So listening to the word, in fact, just to throw this out there, People were listening to the word a lot longer than they've been reading the word. So there's power to it as well. So just make that part of your habit. Another thing that I love is specific devotionals. I'm going to show you two that I think are phenomenal. This one right here. I don't know if the camera's super close on this, but don't get too close to my face. Um, My utmost for his highest. Oswald Chambers. Um, This right here, I've, I've read this through this year after year after year, and I keep coming back to it going like, man, This is phenomenal. I would encourage you, if you don't have a devotional, and it's a one-day little devotional chunk, that might be an easy first step for some of us. Another thing is Pete Scazzaro wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and then he came up with a a 40 days reading plan to kind of help establish some of these rhythms. This would also be a really helpful resource. And finally, here's my last little practical tip. Um, Write a morning prayer. Maybe take the five passages that, that really mean something to you. Like if I had five passages that carry with me the rest of my life, write them in a way that they become a prayer for your day. And maybe that becomes the first thing that you do. Or right before you step in the shower, you look at the, the prayer you've written on your bathroom screen and you go, okay, God, this is what you said about this and this is who you say that I am and this is what you said that you're gonna do and then this is what, you, and you just re, let scripture become a part of your daily rhythms. These are, these are all opportunities to kind of go with this. And so listen, again, don't go for the 100%, go for the 1% and begin doing this because here's, here's why I think this is important. And we're gonna wrap up with this, okay? Because I've been thinking about a lot, a lot about this idea of what does it mean to go deep? And honestly, I get held up because I don't think it's just going deep in understanding the scriptures. It's not just going deep in understanding the ways of the kingdom. It's letting the ways of the kingdom go deep in you. That's where it goes deep. That's where it becomes real. It's not necessarily a matter of like, oh, I'm understanding all these things. It's a matter of like, oh man, I'm letting these things enter into me in in a deep way to the point where it's changing the way I see things. It's changing the way I see others. It's changing the way I act. It's changing the way I hear things. There are things that are offensive now that I used to think were not offensive. There are things that I think are, are, are amazing now that I used to just not put a lot of value in. So by letting the ways of the kingdom, by letting the content of scripture, by coming to this table and eating daily, 
something happens. You begin to grow, you begin to change. Guys, we gotta get this one. There's way too much noise in our culture right now. Way too much noise to get sucked up in that. Let's feast here. Let's let it do the things it was designed for. In fact, we're actually gonna go into a time of communion right now. And it's a coming to the table. It's the place where we come back and we go, Jesus, I remember what you've done. I remember how you've been at work. I remember how you're showing up. I remember that you died on the cross and that you rose again. And so the things that I'm facing right now aren't that big of a deal because of, of what you have done for us. So when we come to the table, this is an opportunity for us to go like, okay, it's a place of delight. There are things you probably need to say sorry for. Say sorry and move on. He's got a lot more grace than you think. And you're a lot worse than you think. That's the good news. As you discover that, he's got the grace to cover you. You know, so that's why we keep coming back to this. Communion is a rhythm for us. And so I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna give you space to take it. Here we go, Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for preparing a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies, even when our world is filled with chaos and noise, you come right in the midst of it and say, I have what your soul desires. God, we're coming now to the table because we wanna meet you. We want more from you, we want more of you. We want this relationship. We wanna be rooted in you like trees planted by streams of water. That's what we desire. So God, help us get there, we pray in your name. Amen.